the Mood Society podcast, and I also write for Mood. Hello, everyone. I'm Ash or Ashley. I make content and run the social media accounts, and I am also one of the co-hosts for the podcast. And today we are joined by extra special guest Washington Roberts. Washington, hi. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Really, of greatly appreciated. I would love to. <laughs> yeah, Washington, would you like to introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Of course. My name is Washington Robert. Um, I'm a women's wear designer, based in New York, Nigerian bun. Yeah, and I design. <laughs> Sometimes, you know. (laughs) (laughs) When you can. (laughs) All right, you want to get straight into some questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So first question that we're rolling out here, how did you get your start in the industry? What inspired you to start delving more into fashion? Uh, And are there any changes that you've noticed since your start in the industry? That's a loaded question. (laughs) Um, Initially... I went to school to be an engineer. Fashion mm-hmm. was definitely was never part of the picture for me. Um, but my grandmother was a seamstress growing up in Nigeria. So, you know, watching her um, sew, create pattern, you know, like she was one of those tailors that didn't need to, they didn't need pattern. They can just look at you and literally draft the pattern from scratch to like a full blown garment. So, Literally, I know that that was ingrained in me. Um, so I went on to move to the state, wanted to be an engineer, a chemical engineer. But in the, while doing that, I used to make clothes for myself. I would design clothes for myself. And I would get tailors to make it. And my friend was just like, why are you going to school for engineering? Why don't you just go to school for to be a designer? But, you know, growing, home, growing, back home, growing up back home, designer technically what were tailors. There was mm-hmm. no such thing as designer. Yeah. So if you made clothes, you were just tailor. And it was what you had that kind of weird combination where nobody wanted to be a tailor. Mm-hmm. You know, so in Af- as an African, everybody, your parents want you to be either you're being an engineer, architect. Um, we're a bunch of overachievers. So yeah. <laughs> so being a designer was definitely wasn't part of it. So whenever whenever my friends used to say it, I used to be like, yeah, I don't know about all of that. I'm not trying to go that route. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that it was a year when I was just like, it just hit me. I was like, let me look into this. So I looked into it. Um, I think I went to I I went to um, Parsons. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see what that would be like, what that student loan is going to be like. I started sitting and I was just like, yeah, I have enough already. I don't need that much. <laughs> then I looked at FIT and FIT was asking for so many um for resigrate. Mm-hmm. And I was already like, you know, almost done with engineering. I did not want to take all those um, remedial classes. So then I landed at Catherine Gates. I went in, spoke to the administrative team, and I was just like, wait, did I just sign up for fashion? <laughs> and literally that's how I started. So I signed up for fa- um, fashion design and merchandising. So I did a two year there. Then after I was done, I started um, interning. Um, I interned at Paris 68, and at the time, Paris 68 had Willem Rass, Jill Lindenberg. They had the brand Paris 68, and they had um, did I, uh, People's Liberation? I don't know. Well, and Willem Rass was when, you know, Justin Timberlake mm. still owned it, still mm. ran the brand. So that was a cool experience because it was hands-on. We did everything locally um, and working with the design team there. So that was my initial 
um, started. Then from there, I went to American Rag. I was there for about five years. And it was there when I realized within the industry, when you're working for other brand, it's not really your point of view. Mm-hmm. You're helping shaping, bringing the point of view of the brands um, to life, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I just felt like I have my own point of view, and, uh, a unique point of view that I would love to share with the world. Yeah. And I also felt like and growing up, my grandparents always said that if you have your own business, you don't always have to beg people, mm-hmm. you know, for jobs. And that entrepreneurial part of me was always there. So I, I always felt like it doesn't matter what I did. I will always probably have my own business. It was just one of those things that I always knew from when I was young. Mm-hmm. So combining that and with my love of fashion and wanting to get my point of view across. And I started my um, my collection. But the collection sort of started with my final collection of um, my Catherine Gibbs because I ended up not showing that collection. Mm-hmm. And I remember a professor the time, some of the sketches from the first collection were just like, those were not wearable. There was no way you can make those happen because there was a lot of draping. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah, heck yeah. So <laughs> I finished the collection while I was still at um, American Rag, did a collection. I think like, while I was still there, I think that's when I launched the collection. I did my first presentation. And from there, it grew. But I continued to work for other brands while I was still growing my brand because I felt like it was very um, key to have a full-blown experience in the industry. Mm-hmm. And the only way to get that is when you work for other people because you learn the process. Yeah, You can't because one don't go into working just out of womb. Out of womb. Mm-hmm. So we all we all have to crawl, drag one little baby feet, you know, <laughs> until, until you learn how to walk. Then you can run and all that good stuff. So I mm-hmm. felt like I needed it. And I also um, entered at... Um, Sherm seven because I, at the time I felt like I saw I like, wanted to get like a full, cert, um, the full uh, three six of the industry. Uh, designing is one aspect, merchandising and selling is the other aspect too. So I wanted to get that part. So I also um through um interned there. Then I also interned with um Kai Brewster. Uh, he was a fashion um was it fashion stylist at the time. So for me, it was just like you know absorbing as much information as I could at the time, learning about but I definitely knew interning with him, I definitely did not want to be a stylist. It was mm-hmm. a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. beside the glitz and grind. I'm mean, not to say that design is not a lot of work, but it's it's a lot of work that I was willing mm-hmm. to put myself mm-hmm. through because I actually love what I did. Yeah. You know, bringing ideas. Cause I feel like being a designer is very gratifying mm-hmm. in a way where it's one of the um, outlet where you can literally go from sketch to a full garment in like a matter of seconds. Mm-hmm. So it's very gratifying compared to, I feel like, different line of work. I think maybe being an artist probably would be the other one too, where you can literally have an idea, you paint it, it becomes a whole thing. So for me, I feel like, yeah. So yeah, from there, my brand grew to where it is today. Um, so yeah, that's my start. <laughs> <laughs> I so I come from a really technical background, and mm-hmm. I would love to ask you some questions about how you achieve the really avant-garde shapes and tailoring in your mm-hmm. design, because yes. it's really a combination of just an amazing technical skill and that artistic eye. Yeah. So, Whew. okay, <laughs> I use yeah combination. <laughs> I think it's a combination of things because it's a lot of. I think like for me, it's like about learning like the the foundation mm-hmm. of the, um, pattern making. 
because you know the to be a pattern maker, just to be a pattern maker, you have to go to school for just focusing on pattern making. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's one of those things when you have certain talent, it takes little once you learn the foundation, mm-hmm. it can sort of bring out so much in you. And I have a knack to want to learn and how to figure things out. And for me, you would just learn knowing the knowing the foundation of pattern making. And I just combine that with my love for draping. So I sort of like use that to create whatever shape I need. But I felt like it was a lot of try and error. Yeah. Cause and I have an obsessive <laughs> I'll call it talent. <laughs> <laughs> an obsessive talent to want to get things perfect the way I wanted to. Because there's no such thing as perfection, but we can always strive for excellence to get mm-hmm. as close to perfection quote-unquote mm-hmm. but yeah so for me there, I, I wouldn't say i have a specific technique i use everything everything that i can learn everything i can grab i still use my pattern book till today you know like <laughs> if, whenever i need to figure something new out but i definitely feel like draping definitely give you that leeway when you don't really have the technical know-how when it comes to pattern making you can literally put a garment on the mannequin and work the fabric to get to get it to the shape that you need it to be. But obviously over over the years, I've perfected the skills, the craftsmanship. So like get certain shape the way I want. Now I know something that you have to do when you have to use boning, when you have to use fusing, what fabric you have to use, the weight of the fabric to get certain shape. Um, but yeah, so that's, it's a combination of both. I feel like, cause it's really come down to technical. Some people don't drape, some people just use pattern making, but mm-hmm. I like to combine both. And because when you dribble, so you get to see the garment actually come to life. Yeah. So I love the combination of both. So yeah, that's really how I make that magic happen. <laughs> cool. I also had a question that kind of like ties to the first question okay. that I asked you. I know my godfather was born and raised in Nigeria. And Ooh, from awesome. what he tells me and what I grew up around, Nigeria, especially mm-hmm. now, has a booming fashion industry and yes. it only keeps growing. Yeah. How does Nigerian fashion, street fashion, runway fashion, what are the similarities and differences that mm. you've seen with American fashion? Yeah, that's my uh, question. <laughs> There's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of difference. I feel like the biggest difference is the um, geographic location, the weather. Yeah. Um, in the state, we have multiple temperature, multiple weather, whereas in Nigeria, it's literally one way. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest. Um, but, you know, fashion is still fashion. It's all about everybody wants to stand out, want to wear your stylish, your stylish. There's still people that follow trend. Mm-hmm. But I feel like because there's a lot of traditional aspect of how we dress, but I feel like, but Nigerians consume a lot of fashion in an interesting way because there's always an event. Someone is getting married. Someone is getting, um, and you know, like, let's use it marriage for an example. We get, we, uh, each family choose different fabric. We call it um, Ashrebi. Mm-hmm. So Ashrebi is essentially um, Ankara. It can be an Ankara fabric, which is African print that what everybody call African print <laughs> and there's a group pure lace and there's just different fabric different color different print and everybody buys the same fabric and no one wants to look the same so that's where I feel like you know growing up you are exposed to those things so I feel like there was always that knack of wanting to look different everyone wanted to look different because imagine 
this room, everybody wearing the same fabric. Yeah. <laughs> you you ought to find a way to make your garment stand out. Mm -hmm. And some people is their grandparents, some people take it to a tailor. Um, so I feel like that is that um that's that element there from Nigeria that's not here in the state. Mm -hmm. And in terms of street style, this massive street style. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. so much inspiration. So I, it's just different, it's different, but it's still unique in its own way. Mm -hmm. But I just I, there's huge similarities because we all get dressed, we all want to look different, yeah. we all want to be stylish. So that's all like uh similarities. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. And I also feel like you know, like with our African there will not be fashion. <laughs> Maybe I'm biased, but that's literally, I really believe that. That's how I feel about it because I just feel like that's where it all started. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. Oh, absolutely. No, that was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have another question for you? Yeah, I really wanted to. I was trolling your Instagram mm -hmm. and I really loved a mood board you posted with. You had some historical pictures as well as like very current fashion images mm -hmm. and images of fabric. Like what really inspires you when you're designing a collection? Ooh. <laughs> well, I won't say there's a method. I think it's more of an idea that grows. You know, because I feel like for me, in order to sort of like start thinking about them, in order to work on the next collection while I'm finishing or while I'm doing one, I'm already just kind of like brainstorming in my head because my brain is like, like most creative. Our brain is like an open, Um, if you ever see someone that have like 100 browser, oh, browsers open yeah, on their laptop, 100%. that's my brain, <laughs> literally. So I feel like I'm constantly trying to figure out what the next idea might be. Or even before I started my current collection, I already kind of... I, an idea of what I want to do for next season. Uh -huh. um, but the biggest thing is when I'm working on a new collection, I always want to um, add an element of things that I have not done before. So might that be fabric, um, color, it could be um, new technique that I want to introduce to the brand because I feel like trying a new thing for a new collection as a young brand, that's the only way you can grow and learning more about yourself as a creative process. But definitely my most of my inspiration come from, I would use my grandmother as the main source of the inspiration, then African culture. And when I say African culture, I'm very, very um, into um, I mean, geometrics. Mm. A lot of my, so architecture and geometric shapes. So that's really what my brand is like surrounded by. Um, I see the world in geometric shapes. So that's really what inspired me in terms of. So I always want to use different geometric shapes from the continent to use that to sort of like narrate a totally different story about Africa. Because I feel like that's so, it's Africa. Africa is not like a monolith. So there is different types of shape from all over um, the continent. So lucky for me, it's like an endless, endless source of inspiration. But so that's really where the inspiration comes from. So sometimes... I use the shape to so I develop my own fabric. Well, I normally develop my own fabrics. So like, I think yes, you were talking about some fabric on the board. So that's probably fabric that I was working on developing. And some of my like some of my inspiration comes from like um, masquerade dancers. Hmm. Where so it's like the 1900s, some of the dancers, their customs. Take for example, I, I'm not sure which one you're talking about, but I think one of those collections where I, that I posted on Instagram, it was one of the dancers' uniform. I mean, custom that I used as a reference. So I took like the motif, and I used that to create different shapes within the collection. So that way, even though like we still have the print on its own, but the idea of the print still 
lives around different, it's woven into the collection in different ways to tell a different story. And so that's sort of like the process. Um, but definitely developing the fabric. I really love developing the fabric because it gives you more freedom. It's sort of like with the collection. And it, even because we live in a, uh, in a world where people copy different ideas because it's such a fast yeah. pace mm-hmm. and things are coming at you. So I feel like as a young brand, the only one of the ways that make my brand stand up um, stand out amongst other young brands or amongst other brands the way I, my approach to fabric development mm-hmm. um, and my approach to color weaving into like um, using different mediums to uh, play with texture from leather to silk and jacquard and yeah it's just different element so I feel like it depends it all, all depends on what's coming at me what's happening at the time what story I'm trying to tell what mood I'm in what's happening mm-hmm. in the world so it's a lot of things that's all like influence how the inspiration works or it could be that i travel like one of the collection one of the collection that really um significant uh signified my well that gave me the idea for my signature print was i was in nigeria for a fashion show and we went to um to a hotel and we were leaving i just saw this bunch of shapes and symbols on the door that was paint and painted i didn't know what it was but something spoke to me i took a picture Probably like three years later, I was going through my phenomenon. I thought, wait, I need an inspiration. But I remember the picture that I took. I went back to the picture. Then I said, I dove into it, trying to research where the um, this, this shape came from. Was It came from Adenkara symbols mm-hmm. from, the West Afri- um, from West Africa. And I just wanted to learn. I learned how the symbol, what they use for. So, so it's stuff like that. So that's a lot of art involved. So yeah, different medium definitely um, inspired me. So it's a lot of things. So it's like you're taking so much information in, but I always remember what that's, you know, you remember you take a picture. So you sort of like go back. That's what I'm saying. Like my brain is like, <laughs> so I definitely much, relate. <laughs> so, so much happening. Even while we were talking so much, I want to say, but so, so much is happening there. But yeah. It's not one one approach. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now that uh, the symbol that you're just talking about, I just looking at your work yeah. made me go on a deep dive. Of just looking up the symbols and their meetings and it's fascinating. Thank you. And I also wanted to ask, which is also in line with that question, how mm-hmm. has the pandemic in fact impacted your process? Ooh. It's interesting because that's good and bad in everything. I definitely took the pandemic as a time. <laughs> that I needed to reflect on what we're doing because we've been mm-hmm. moving so fast. And and I think as a designer, when you're so caught up in the fashion cycle, we don't have time. We don't take time for ourselves. Yeah. And even as a person, forget, you know, forget what we do as a person because you're constantly going and going. And I feel like for me, pandemic was like a, a way to relax, mm-hmm. to rest and just stop everything. I, I stopped the brand for a little while during the pandemic because I was just like, this is my time. And just, you know, re- obviously you want to continue the process because, you know, being a designer is also part, being a, it's also a business also. So you want to continue all of that. But at the end of the day, if the mind, if the body is not well rested, you're not going to be able to create. Mm-hmm. In turn, you're not going to be able to run a business. So for me, it's a, you know, it's a, it's um, one of those things where you just have to look at the good out of the bad. Yeah. And that's how I look at it. And in terms of affecting my process, I won't say that much. Obviously, like when you talk about the fabric development, because I developed my fabric in Como in Italy. Mm-hmm. So they they shut down for a little while and I, we couldn't do any development. So definitely in that regard, it definitely affected the process. 
but you find new ways to do stuff, mm -hmm. find new ways to um, create. Like like this sweatshirt I'm wearing happened during um, um, during COVID, during the pandemic. I felt like if I if that didn't happen, I would like took a time out to actually work on creating like expanded the brand into menswear. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's something that even before I even launched my brand, I always thought I was I would start up with a menswear brand, mm -hmm. but it so happened of. It's funny that it's like fashion school, they're always pushing to women's wear. Mm -hmm. unless, yeah. <laughs> you, unless you just want to go and study men's wear. And also, you know, women's wear, you get to, you can experiment more mm -hmm. as a designer. But yeah. anyway, um, so during COVID, I was able to expand the brand into a lifestyle brand, into men's. Mm -hmm. You know, men's, the men's wear is more selfish because it's for me. Um, <laughs> it's essentially, it, it came out of necessity because I don't want to buy any more clothes. And also, I also want to just... Be able to wear what I create. Mm -hmm. And the only way I can do that is when I expand my brand into menswear, which I felt like it was, it's been a dream of mine to do for a very long time. And the pandemic definitely gave me the downtime to be able to, you know what, let's fall back, reassess the brand, re-strategize what's working, what's not working. So for me, the pandemic was a blessing in disguise because I was yeah. able to re-strategize, mm -hmm. came up, came and I understand that the brand and the business part of things that I've, not that I've been neglecting it, but it's just, wasn't um i wasn't given as much focus as i was giving everything else so I, during pandemic i was able to use that time to do that and i feel like the result has been great mm -hmm. so for me i'm taking the good and the bad that's what you have to do in most in most situations you can't always look at the negative mm -hmm. you always got to look at the positive out of the negative and sometimes negative can be positive oh yeah definitely so. sure no it's definitely inspiring and i definitely think during the pandemic it has given a lot of people to reflect on what they're doing and yeah. be able to broaden who they are and their artistic endeavors. Absolutely. So I'm very glad that it also you're able to use that time to yeah. expand more and chase your dreams more. Very inspiring. Yeah, definitely. Because mm -hmm. these are something that things that I've been trying to do, like there's a lot. Of, I don't know if you guys were able to see like the lifestyle element of the brand, like into more sportswear, mm -hmm. um, yeah. because I worked as a denim designer in the, in the industry. So for me, being able, I mean, sportswear designer, denim, all those things, all the elements that I've been working outside of my brand, they're just like, I would love to like find a way to introduce this stuff into the collection. Mm -hmm. But it just, they so like, they've taken back burner because I always felt like, and also like the resources as a young brand, right? So you can't do so much at the same time. So I just feel like during COVID, I was able to just do little by little baby steps. So mm -hmm. for me, yeah, it was one of those things. And the lifestyle element, like the accessory, most of them came out of necessity. Yeah. For me, like, you know, want to travel. I was like, well, I don't really want to buy a bag because I know if I'm going to buy a bag, the kind of money I want to spend on the quality bag, why not just make my own bag? Mm -hmm. So a lot of that stuff happened, like the socks. I love socks. Started making my own socks. <laughs> um, bucket hat. I wanted a bucket hat. I didn't want to pay for it. Like, it makes sense for Washington Robert bucket hat. Baseball cap, same thing. So it's sort of like, it was one of those things where I was just like, wait, wow, I actually have a whole lifestyle right now. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, if you want it done right, do it yourself. Indeed. <laughs> exactly. That's for sure. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, so many designers are looking for a way right now to approach sustainable fashion, especially coming out of the pandemic since mm -hmm. we've all had a time to pause. Mm -hmm. How do you sus approach sustainable fashion? And what are some ways that you use in your brand to incorporate sustainability? Ooh, sustainability is such a multi multifaceted um, conversation because I feel like a lot of people are approaching it in a way that is so simplistic. It's mm. really not. 
but I feel we're definitely moving in that direction. But as a small as a small brand, I feel like that's been part of our practice for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like produce less, don't keep too much inventory on hand. Um, everything that I do is made in New York, except for some few stuff. Everything is made in the state. I mean, in the U.S. for the most part. But yeah, so because of that, I'm able to keep my um my um production batch small and not hold on because I feel like that's part of our um the, the biggest problem we're having in the ecosystem is that there's too much waste, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like people always think like, oh, I use organic cotton, organic fabric. Yeah, that's you can use organic fabric, but you can still overproduce. You can still develop and all that kind of stuff. So for me, it's like developing just what we need to develop and producing what we need is where you don't waste too much. So because we're such a, we're a small brand, so this practice were all the things that we've been doing. Obviously, we were not talking about it um, because, you know, it was just something that needed to be done. And a lot of made-to-order um, product, um, part of the brand is there too. So those are things that I've been doing that but I'm doing it now. Obviously, now we're talking about it more because and also when you're producing in New York, in New York, that's still part of that um ethical part of it where you can sort of like go see the people that are making your stuff, making sure they're in the same, in a in the same and really great environment while they're making your and they're well paid. So, which is also obviously that also tied back into the cost of the garment and why they cut I mean the fact um the products are a certain price. But I feel like quality will always outlive anything. So mm-hmm. even if you ch- even if you pay whatever the price of it, it, it will, it's things that you can pass down to your kid. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're seasonless. They're seasonless. They are like, um, yeah, they're seasonless and they can live for a very long time because of the quality and craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that I feel like we should be talking about more because, yeah. and also can stay in the store longer mm-hmm. because the longer they can stay in the store, the less people have the pressure of, oh, I want to get the new, the newest thing. So obviously, and we only do, for a very long, for a while, I only did one collection a year. So that way you're able to control um, the output. You're able to put out really great, you know, collection, great product, where you're not feeling like you, the pressure of the industry. And trust me, that took me a very long time to get to that point. <laughs> but, you know, now, like, you know, I'm back to where I'm like doing two collection a year. But, very smart about it. I'm very like no longer making 25 looks to go down the wrong way <laughs> just to just for the sake of making it. Because mm-hmm. after the time, those fabrics, you're just gonna throw them out. If you don't use them, you just have fabrics in it. So it's a matter, you know, learning how to reuse a lot of the fabric. Like this fabric, it was not developed. I was I didn't develop them for this. So it was like a fabric that was sitting there. I just had them in the in the studio where I just like, okay, what can we reuse them for? So like, so like reusing our fabric stock and making something new from old. So it's a lot of it's a mixture of all those elements. But you know, I don't call my brands a sustainable brand because I just feel like every brand should be sustainable. I don't think it mm-hmm. should be a selling point. Yeah, it should sure. be a practice because we'll all do live in a world that needs to be more sustainable. Because the way fashion is going, some of like the fast fashion, it's not quite sustainable. But I definitely see a reset because a lot of my client or a lot of new clients that I have, the way they see fashion now is like they want to buy more quality product versus, you know, fast fashion that you can throw away. They mm-hmm. want pieces that will last them longer where you don't have to wash it like three, four times. It's over. Yeah. Something that can be in the closet that you can be like, okay, how else can I wear? Because you can get more wear out of it. So, yeah. 
It's mm-hmm. that idea of just making, buying something quality and making it last for years exactly. and years and years. Because yeah. there's exactly. always ways to rewear clothes. You can mm-hmm. rewear it a different way. You can restyle it differently. So I feel like we're definitely slowly moving back into that way of thinking about um, clothes where it's no longer just fast fashion. But I definitely do think fast fashion is probably going to be here still. <laughs> Unfortunately. yeah. I mean, that's, just a, that's just a reality of things. But yeah. obviously the goal is to minimize the footprint and all that stuff reduced um, the damage that we're doing to the wall little by little. You know, even like now within the denim industry, there's, mm-hmm. they're definitely making a lot of stride in terms of like waterless print, you know, laser printing, mm-hmm. um, designing more circular, uh, circularity denim, um, this, uh, degradable fabric over time. So like there's a lot of technology that are coming out that I feel like can definitely help the industry so yeah so i I, i'm hopeful as to where it's going but i'm also very pragmatic as to like where we are because i feel like sometimes we have to be we can't be too hopeful you can you can be dreaming you can be hopeful you can dream but also be pragmatic because we are here right now yeah so yeah exactly Mm -hmm. uh my next question is what has it been like being a POC and a very white, very American white dominated industry, have you met any had any walls Ooh. or had any struggles yet? <laughs> loaded question, go right. <laughs> yeah, that's a very loaded. That's a very loaded question. I feel like as a black designer, that's a lie I can talk about. Yeah, you know, like I feel like it's like one of those things. Like, what's the point, right? It's mm. not that. What's the point? Because we have to talk about this thing. We have to talk about when you hit this order. But for me, it's all about. How can I break it down? What mm-hmm. am I doing to sort of make it easier for the next designer? Because I felt like when I started my brand, probably like about 10, I don't know if you guys remember the, um, I remember the time where um, fella, um, the fella um, Broadway play was happening. Mm-hmm. No one would have thought from that, during that time, would have gotten here. So mm-hmm. I felt like Stride has, has been made, even though it should... You should not have to take that, take in everything that happened for us yeah. to get to where we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely there's definitely been you know like um, discouragement, some no, some rejection because of who you are, what you are. Mm-hmm. But all you can do is keep going because at the end of the day, people can only say no, but so much we're putting out quality work. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so for me, it's that. But obviously, it's always one of those things where when you're ready when those opportunities do come, you're like the way they are now that you can sort of like take and fly, mm-hmm. obviously. So for me, it's about focusing on what I can do that's within my power versus what outside of my power, because we do know like who control the industry, you know? Yeah. So I try not to spend too much time mm-hmm. on that part <laughs> and just trying to focus on the thing that I can affect, things that I can do to sort of like get me more um, opportunities and get me to, um, a better space, a better, you know, it's it's never going to be easy, especially yeah. when you're younger, when you don't have enough, as much resources to sort of like knock on. If I start telling some of the uh, <laughs> stories or some of the feedback I've gotten from some buyers, it's insane. <laughs> like the things that they would say, you just like, wait, because I'm using black models. Mm. So it's literally one of those things where you just have to be like, wow, this really is. It's really our industry. Because yeah. I remember a buyer, I'm not going to say, we're not going to talk about it, so I'm just going to say, <laughs> the buyer really just said, oh, if you keep using only black models, wow. you're not going to get picked up. That's crazy. That's wild. But that's the world that we live in, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Mm. But you also, I mean, like, 
And you also have to think about it. Me as a, I'm, you know, my approach to fashion is very global. Mm -hmm. So I can, I don't want to say I understand where she's coming from because she's very narrow-minded and prejudiced. That's where that one's coming from. But I can see everybody wants to be, everyone wants to see themselves in the clothes, right? So I can see representation matters. Mm -hmm. I understand. If you, if someone, if she had communicated from that point of view, I wouldn't understand it. Mm -hmm. But to say, oh, you're using black models. You're not going to get picked up. You're not going to do this. It's almost like, wait, so black models can't sell clothes. Yeah. Um, then you like, you remind them, like, excuse me, blacks <laughs> have the highest spending power in the United States. Mm -hmm. yeah. Probably the world in general. Yeah. So so what are we talking about? Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, we, this is just reality of the world that we live in. So you just have to find your way to sort of like navigate, stay balanced and stay poised and just do your, you know, put your best work out. Because... Mm -hmm. If you're worrying about the negative, there's so much negative we can talk about. It's pointless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's draining. It's a, I, that's why I just try to focus on what I can fix and what I can do with my power, my platform, my creativity. To just, that's why I keep using... That's why I'm so happy I'm able to tell an African story. So, like, mm -hmm. you know, where a lot of people would see Africans such a one-dimensional. And I keep telling people, Africans not in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, I, I see people like, oh, your brand is not what I expected African brand. I'm like, what does that look like? Yeah, exactly. You know, what does an African brand look like? Like, it's, this is a constant conversation I have with people. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm happy like to do what I do because I, I'm able to bring a totally different um, perspective as an African that live in the U.S. that travel the world. Mm -hmm. We definitely have a lot of. We have a totally different voice how we see the world. And I just tell them, you know, it just I design clothes that every woman in the world can wear, not just for black women, not just for black men. I think. Globally, mm -hmm. if you want to stand out, you want to be bold, why should the robber is for you? Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so my next question for you is you've dressed some really powerful black women, including uh, Denai Gurira from The yeah. Walking Dead. What was your experience working with these women and how has it affected your career? I mean, definitely affected it for the positive because, you know, Early time and anytime you're able to get your pieces on celebrity, you can sort of like give the brand some validation, obviously brand awareness and all that stuff. Um, how did that come about? It's actually what the style is, I reached out. And that deny was more from um, Harper's Bazaar hmm. when they were doing a story on her and they reached out. And I was just like, oh, wow, they know about the brand. Cool. <laughs> and the moment they told me who it was, no question asked. I'm like, walking dead, you can have it. <laughs> so yeah so that it was really what it was like a surreal moment because that's those at the moment as a designer you were like okay actually people are paying attention to what you're doing mm -hmm. and people actually love what you're doing and they would love to look beautiful in you and that's the same way I feel when um, Yvonne and not only once or twice that she won myself she won a few times mm -hmm. so which is great it's always a great feeling when you can get people that everybody you know adore in your pieces mm -hmm. and obviously as a creator as a designer your my job is trying to make people feel to make to enhance the beauty that's already there so for me when you see it on that stage it's sort of like give you that validation mm -hmm. not to say validation why you're designing just give the brand some validation it just tells you you know keep going you're doing yeah. you know you're on the you're doing the right thing essentially in, yeah. in essence Makes you feel like, wow, I did that. Exactly. Yeah. I, I still get wild when I see people in my stuff. Mm -hmm. Because obviously sometimes I'm always looking at things that can be better. But that's, yeah. me, that's me being a technical person. But um, it feels good when you see a woman. Just It doesn't have to be a celebrity. It just 
just any woman in your in your piece or anybody in the piece and they look great in it, mm-hmm. it's gratifying. Oh, because yeah. it's like, wow, I did that. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? So yeah, it's very inspiring when you see it. So yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Especially seeing them wearing the piece and they're like glowing and it like they're feel yeah. powerful. Yeah, in it's that the garment. best feeling. That's uh-huh. why I, I personally love women in suit because oh, yeah. of that. Because mm-hmm. it's one of my I don't know, I just love I love powerful women. Mm-hmm. And I think this suit it's one of like, I don't know, I don't want to say you don't have to wear a suit to feel powerful, but I feel like definitely I just love women in suit personally. Mm-hmm. So I'm totally biased to a suit. So a good, well-crafted, well-tailored women's suit, mm-hmm. all about it. And especially a suit that when you, you don't have to say anything, your whole presence is felt, the way you carry yourself. Mm-hmm. And the suit just felt like take that to the next level. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's why one of my one of my best-selling pieces are always suits and trial. So I also love women in trousers. Obviously, suit trousers. But yeah, I love women in trousers, especially wide leg. Mm-hmm. That's covering the shoes, not just you know, not like your shoes, Sean. We don't like that. But <laughs> covering the shoe, I totally love women in trousers. And definitely a suit. Yeah, powerful, strong women. I'm all about it. Yes, I second that. I third that. <laughs> uh, for my also next question. Yeah. This is a fun one. What project was the most, or event experience was the most rewarding, and what mm. was the most frustrating? Ooh, let's <laughs> answer the frustrating one. Uh, what's the most frustrating? I think every project can be, they all have frustrating moments. Mm. Because when you're doing collection, there's a lot, everything can get, that can go wrong always go wrong yeah, when you're doing true. a collection, literally. Mm. Like I'm, I've been working on my, the reason why my men's collection is not out because fabric development. You know, with COVID, with logistics, shipping, everything is backlogged right now. Like, you may not factor that on top of factory can del- can um, create a fabric the way you want it to, and colors running. Ooh. But all these things has to be tackled before you can even make a garment. So it's very frustrating because you have a deadline that you want to put a project out. And especially when you made it public, this collection is going to come at X amount, <laughs> X date. Let's learn learn. Don't, don't announce a collection until you're sure. <laughs> but yeah, so like, and especially when you only have like two or three pieces to go, now you're stuck. You're waiting for just one fabric to get it. Mm-hmm. So those are frustrating moments, but you, there's nothing you can do about it. You can you can be frustrated or you can just accept it as part of our ecosystem, part of the industry, it's part of what we do. So of course it's frustrating, but you just find a way to sort of navigate around it. Yeah. So I always, I'm more solution driven. Then spend more time to be frustrated because it takes energy to be frustrated because mm-hmm. there's literally nothing you can do about certain in uh, certain situations. So it's just about trying to find solution versus trying to focus so much on the negative and what's happening. Of course, we're human; we all have feelings. You can't be frustrated, mm-hmm. but you just have to get up, dust your shoulders off, <laughs> wipe off your wound, and get back to work Absolutely. because you have to. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, exciting, most rewarded. Let's see. There's quite a few. I feel like the most one of the most rewarding thing for me is like, well, I was in my last collection, like the most recent one, the capsule that I did, because I was able to do a lot of things that I've been wanting to do. Like, you know, like tap more into sportswear because I felt like a lot of people saw my brand as a very one. Um, I don't want to say one dimensional, but they saw the brand in very narrow lenses. So like occasional wear, even though if you ask me, I don't think my brand's occasional wear. Mm-hmm. I think any woman can wear the pieces, even though they are both. In my head, you can wear it any day. A Washington rubber woman will wear it any day. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I can also understand why certain women 
without it, I can only wear it out because you're not the woman, but we all have, we can be different people, different days. Mm -hmm. So, so I totally understand that, but definitely being able to sort of like show the other side of what I do, it's always very rewarding. And also bridal wear. When I do wedding dresses, it's fun because it's so different from my regular collection. You're able to sort of like work with the bride and see the joy on their face. So mm-hmm. that's also very rewarding. And just being able to being able to see my creation come to life. Yeah. It's enough for me. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying that's a lot of instances where you can be like, oh, wow, that actually looked cool. Because mm-hmm. mo- there are moments where you create stuff and you don't really know how they're going to come out. Yeah. It's one thing to put on a man, you know, like you drape it, you put on a man. But when you're not turning into the actual fabric, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, wait. I actually love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a designer, you see a lot of things. So you're going to love a lot of things. So it's, yeah. So being able to see the work come to life from from concept to product, it's gratifying. So it's rewarding for me. So, yeah. Definitely. And speaking of wedding wear, <laughs> <laughs> great segue. Uh, do you find it challenging whenever you do um, bridal dresses yeah fusing the bride's vision with your own design that you have in mind <sighs> okay so i feel like <laughs> women some women have like ideas well okay i'll say no <laughs> fortunately for me i haven't had moments i haven't had brides that I only want you to do the image of what they have on their hands <laughs> but i also find that sometimes they do want that but <laughs> it's you as a designer have to sort of like find ways to sort of like marry what's in your head, what you see into what they're looking for. is you know, telling them what's possible, what's not possible. Mm-hmm. And also understanding a woman's body also help. Because sometimes I feel like everybody think everything will look great on them. But everybody's not the same. Mm-hmm. So it's about learn- knowing the woman's body, trying to tell them what's going to work, what's not really going to work. I can see how it can be very frustrating trying to combine because I feel like some... Women definitely have that um, have that um, need where they only have one idea in their mind, and you can literally can argue them down. They just want that. Yeah. Then I'm like, I'm not a tailor. I'm a designer. Mm-hmm. So it's like understanding that, have learning how to communicate with them and telling them where, you, you know, this is where we need to go. And also find that medium. So where and for me, Bridesways, it's essentially a playground because. It's not really in my collection all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like being creative. I'm free. So when I'm able to just add a little essence of Washington into it, mm-hmm. I'm good. <laughs> and th- I mean, to so that question is the reason I don't do prom dresses. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I just feel like I don't have the patience. <laughs> not oh, Okay, let me not say the patience. Because I feel like it's very, very one-dimensional. They see yeah. what they see. They see red carpet. They see all this thing. They only want one thing. Yeah. In essence, you become a tailor because now you're recreating someone else's creation. Yeah. So it's not as if they're coming to you to buy your own girl. They're asking you to design something for them because they're young. So, mm-hmm. you know, they see Beyonce in like in a liar dress or Givenchy dress and you're like, oh, I want that. I'm like, yeah. So that took <laughs> hundreds of hours and work to make that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so for me, it's like, let's just not do that at all. Let me just stick to what I do. So obviously, I mean, the the great thing so far is I haven't had, you know, women brides that actually are very 
mm-hmm. one dimensional. I only see the things the way they see. Luckily for me, it's been women that actually they came to me because of my design aesthetic, of mm-hmm. my point, because of my point of view. So I feel like most of the time when a woman come to you is because they trust what you do, yeah. and it's trust that you can bring the vision of the. You know, I feel like wedding day is a, every woman's most cherish one of their best days because mm-hmm. you technically are going to be a part of their life. Every time they mm-hmm. tell that story, as the design is going to be a part of it. So I mm-hmm. don't take it lightly. So I totally understand the severity, the delicacy of that moment. So yeah. I just trying to manage as best as can I, I can. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. yeah. That's very beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more questions? I think we're uh, about done. Yeah, no, honestly, I hit all, all my pressing questions. All right. <laughs> you want to plug anything washington do i want to plug anything hmm. <laughs> any upcoming projects or i mean i'm excited about the men's mm-hmm. um i definitely have i'm working i'm finishing up the men's wear um yeah i'm finishing up that i'm working on my next full collection because i haven't done like a full collection in a minute so mm-hmm. i'm excited about that but i can't really talk about it because there isn't much <laughs> to talk about because <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So it's still like in a creative process trying to figure out what you're trying to do. Yeah. But definitely um, the men's collection, I'm excited about it because okay. everybody's been asking, when is the man coming out? When is the man coming out? Mm. What? Wait no more. The man is here. It's coming. So and he's here to stay. So yeah, that's the only thing I can say it's coming out. So, but I can't really say the date because we are waiting for some stuff to finish. Yeah. You know, but definitely like more accessories, more lifestyle. But yeah, I'm just, you know, it's exciting just to see the growth of the brand. It's like a natural progression where you're just doing all this thing that you've been wanting to do. You know, a woman's bag, mm-hmm. um, luggage, traveling bags and all this kind of stuff. So I'm excited. Just trying to see where we can take it. Uh, so my goal is be able to make a, f- a woman's wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Everything you would need to go from day to night. Mm, that's cool. From Washington Robert. So that's my goal. And same goes for men too. So mm-hmm. I know I, I found myself just talking about men. I mean, <laughs> women more so than I. So yeah, anyway. But yeah, so those are the things I'm working on for right now. But yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> Super <laughs> exciting. Very excited. I'm excited too. So yeah. yeah. And I'm wearing it. Yeah, you know, preview. Because if I can't wear it, then it's not happening. Yeah, that's not yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank Bruh. you. Yeah, for joining us. Thank you so much. Having you in and like seeing you speak face to face, extremely inspirational. Aww. How positive you are about everything, how driven you are about the whole process and your designs is incredibly inspirational. And thank you. We're thank very you. grateful that you were able Aww. to come in. Thank today. you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been great. I love I it. Could, I yeah. couldn't have put it better. So. <laughs> I know, right? Thank you for having me, guys.